0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening wherever you are in the world, you are listening to the WayShe Radio podcast. The podcast is a post-show podcast of my live show, which is on 91.8 Haze FM, as you'll hear many times throughout the show. But the whole point of the podcast is that I can cut out the adverts and you can just get the juicy stuff from my interview. You'll probably be aware that the interview also has a live going on at the same time, so we often refer to things on the Facebook Live. Um, but this is so you can catch the action visually at the same time. So if you've listened to the show and you'd love to join us live and you're in the same time zone or it's appropriate for you, not in bed, please do join us. Join the Facebook page, Weishi Radio. Join my page, Nicola Weishi Chan. Or my business page, which is Weishi Coaching, formerly Fustal Fit. If you've listened to this show before, welcome back. You may have noticed that I don't have the previous jingle, which is at the beginning and the end of my podcast, um, as I've rebranded. So we're no longer Fustle Fit. We're now Weishi Coaching. We're still about fitness, we're still about bodies, but we're also about minds. So we're helping the whole person. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope to bring you amazing, inspiring guests and to help you with Whatever issues or problems you think you're going through in your life, somebody on the show has been through them, overcome them, and you can too. Enjoy the show. Give me your feedback, comments on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, all under the way She coaching. Um, I hope to speak to you soon. Enjoy.
1: This is 91.8 Hayes FM with myself, Nicola Chan. I have a special guest in with me this afternoon, Brandon Block. Welcome, Brandon.
2: Hi, Nicola. Um, thank you.
1: This show every Tuesday is all about mindset, positive thinking, personal development and obviously fitness as I'm a fitness trainer as well. So I thought Brandon would be an um, amazing guest for this show. We're going to talk about mindset. But firstly, Thank I'd love for the viewers and listeners to know a little bit more about you, Brandon. Could you tell us a little bit about your story?
2: Um. Yes, where do you want to start? <laughs> it's Nicola. Hi everyone, I'm, just got, I'm on the Facebook live <laughs> as well, so we're at Hayes FM and we're talking about mindset, positivity, uh, Nicola's fitness regime, because she's uh, obviously a trainer, and uh, yes, so we're talking about all things happy days as well. Ah, uh, Ben, I'm going to come and see you soon, because uh, I'm in Hayes, anyway. Uh, so, tell a bit about myself. Um, right, where do I start? So, um, for those of you who don't know me, I uh, started uh, my career as... Uh, I was very successful as a DJ, I was very grateful that uh, that happened in the 90s, I was in Ibiza for quite a few years, I lived out there and uh, became, myself and Alex P started basically the f- Space Terrace, which was uh, the best club on the island for many years and uh, incredibly part, incredible to be part of that and I, I always pinched myself because I was there when uh, it was an amazing place. Anyway, uh, alongside that came a lot of, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, he mentioned my wedding day. Well, that's another another subject completely. Another <laughs> <Love a> show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, theoretically, uh, right, in 1996, I was sort of, uh, I had to leave IB for and come home because I was very ill due to my overindulgence in various bits and pieces and stuff. Uh, I was given two weeks to live, uh, by a doctor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. And, um... Basically, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to look at these comments because they're quite funny, some of them. Dylan? Uh, so I, I, um, I came home and then I realised that there was no way I could carry on and I had made the decision that I wasn't going to carry on and I would uh, try and get myself better. Um, but in those days, in '96, it was difficult to find any of the support that we have now uh, and the routes and various models, what were available, were very, very limited. Um, so I went on a journey and uh, that took me 20, you know, to this day now, I have never went back to my old behaviours uh, and I stopped an incredible habit overnight and literally never went back, so um, sorry, sorry about this people that, we've just moved the microphone for those of you who sound a bit muffled, so um, it, was, it took me time to realise that, that what I'd achieved is is really quite good and to be able to go back and DJ straight into the place where I, you know had all my experience from, and uh, just carried straight on. And I went back and, so, so sort of jumping in into the frying pan, out of the fire pan into the fire, really. And I went back DJing straight away, pretty much. Uh, and what I found was that I ended up turning up for gigs, <laughs> which I hadn't done for a long time. Uh, it actually, everything started improving. You know, if I'm honest, I mean, I had great times. Don't get me wrong, but uh, when I, you know, made the decision to stop doing what I was doing, um, all things in my life started changing, uh, and then. Through uh, my journey, let's say, I started to realise. I think I, le- I, le- I learned a lot about myself, a lot about why uh, I did the things that I did, uh, and through self-teaching, I suppose, or just actually experiencing life without getting involved in alcohol and stuff, um, and drugs, um, that things change, and you, you you learn to you learn about yourself, you learn how you act and how you feel, why you behave the way you do, and what act, what triggers you to be. You know, to, to think the way you do, to feel the way you do, the emotional stuff. So, it was a great journey. And to this day, um, around 2010, um, I felt that I hadn't grown enough emotionally, and I don't know why that was, but something came to me that I needed to give back and help people. So, I went to my local drug and alcohol service, um, and, um, which was, uh, Arch, in Uxbridge, down the road here. It's actually called, um, Hagam. H-DAS at the time, which you've maybe not right, Hindon Drug and Alcohol Service. Okay. Um, it's still there now, and um, I've got friends who still work there. So, we, I actually worked for a company called Blenheim, who, uh, London, uh, London Drug Service, Community Drug Project, it was called, originally. Uh, it was one of the first in London ever. So, we worked in Uxbridge, and I was a support worker. I had a small caseload. Uh, Had some really good outcomes, and uh, after five, six years, um, the treatment system started changing. So it was uh, then um, someone's tendered, and CNWL, who's the Central North North West London Middlesex uh, NHS Trust, took over. Our smaller company was swallowed up and taken into Arch, uh, and then jobs were redundancies and stuff. So anyway, I I actually went to the work for the NHS themselves, uh, and I worked for Bedlam, which all Bedlam. It's the Bethlehem uh, Hospital down in South London, which was the first mental hospital. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, it's famous, and they call it Bedlam because of, obviously, when they treated mental health back in the day, this is when they, you know, declared people insane and put them in rooms and tried to look how they was working. So, I learnt my trade there, then I did I worked with people with multiple complex needs, which is drug and, drug, substance abuse, mental health issues, criminality, homelessness, uh, so it's, it's it's hard, it's entrenched work and it's really, you know, intense. So we worked very closely with people. That had an impact on me because oh, we weren't being looked after the way we should have been by the company. We weren't getting the support and the emotional support which you require for that job. I, I had suffered a burnout for that period. I then went on to big big brother. Which was probably the wrong time because I'd just come out of the uh, the job, so uh, I wasn't feeling myself. Let's say, uh, but now you know, moved on, moving on from there, um, I went to a personal development event, Tony Robbins event. Uh, a friend took me there, uh, and I just thought quite wow. a few people who've
1: been on the show have uh, started with Tony Robbins.
2: Well, I think you know it, it's the most accessible, isn't it? And if you're not, if I wasn't really aware of personal development and that word at the time, I just uh, but being in the the field of well-being or getting people better by thinking. Um, better and behaving better. It was a uh, something that I wasn't totally um, strange to, but the event because I was feeling so emotionally drained, it, it just I think oh, there's a way out. I was feeling like yeah, I can't. How am I going to get out of this emotional place I'm in? So, Tony, was that because you were helping so many other
1: people, you were taking on a lot of their problems? Well, exactly,
2: and I wasn't. I wasn't handing it over at the end of the day. We used to hand over at the end of the day, right? So you, you then you you, you hand over to the uh, your senior members of staff uh make sure that everything's um, in order computer wise but then you know you you're only doing a job you're not you're not actually you're not actually everyone's keeper you can't you've got to accept that you can't actually change what people do you can only help them give them tools to mm. be able you to make their own decisions.
1: people you can only change yourself exactly
2: so after that um UPW, yes, Wilkie. Um, so yeah, it was good. the UPW event, which is uh, unleash the power within. Mm-hmm. After that, I then, as they say, immerse yourself into this new life. It turns out that here, there's people watching, like Mark is a very old friend of mine. Um, uh, he was there, and we had we spent the four days together. I hadn't seen Marky for a long time, and he had you know his own journey. So we sat together, and we did a lot of the, the uh, you know, the. Um, what's the word some of the, we worked the tools together and we we experienced the whole thing together which was great and then i uh, uh, turns out there was so many other people there who'd who i knew and there's a thing there's a group in london called the yes group which is a offshoot of um that event personal development event which is run by my friend carl Pearson, who was my employee
1: is it like the yes man the movie
2: <laughs> not quite <laughs> it's more like, it's, it's look,
1: say yes to everything. Well, that's
2: what I, I originally thought. I thought it must be that. But so it was, um, uh, it, it's like that. But it's a lot where people go and hear personal speakers and uh, they can, you know, go and join people's courses. They can meet like minded people who are on journeys and just talk. And um, I think the thing that resonates for me is that we have now to realise the human condition is now becoming so apparent. I think we've not. Because of the learning, the stuff that's available to us, information-wise, we now know that if we don't come together and, you know, talk and communicate and become the social animals we're used to, because we've now got out of that because it's all about technology, Mm.
1: uh,
2: we're losing a lot of that. And that's why there's a lot of mental health around, because we live by this stuff.
1: Yeah. And you know what? We think we have people, but really we're not connecting.
2: And also the stuff you read and you see on the news and the telly and all the stuff that goes on about uh, how privacy and all this stuff and you just it's it's how you have that impact on you on a daily basis so if you get up and you look at your phone immediately you're gonna you're gonna tap into yesterday's news Mm -hmm. which then sets you up in yesterday's behavior yesterday's thinking and you're now batting from yesterday you're now not even living in the moment Whereas so how
1: do you manage that because that was one of my questions actually i was going to ask you about social media in terms of obviously it's amazing like we've connected through social media yeah, of we're course. able to use these platforms where people can watch yeah. um, and listen to us um, and obviously there's lots of benefits in that way but there's negative side effects as well i think how has it helped you and hindered you
2: well look i think from fundamentally back when it first started it was great to ca- catch up with lots of old friends and that's Traditionally, what I did was was talk to loads of old friends, all the friends we met through the the club in years and Ibiza and, you know, various places around the world. It was great to be able to just see people and have a chat and, how are you? I mean, it did build fantastic community. And I think if you, like anything in life, find a balance. As long as you can balance it and it doesn't rule your life. So I tend to set a time aside for per day to, to use it for, you know, for happy days, which I'll talk about later, obviously. Uh, networking, like, with like people like yourself, and, um, but then turn it off. There's no need to be on the order, because it, it's mm-hmm. not going to serve you. And I think if you can get that into it, the, you know.
1: Do you feel like you're doing more output on <coughs> there then, rather than going on there searching for stuff?
2: Yeah. I think that's, and, um, a lot of people who use it for business, I think, are managing to do it now. It's, mm. out, it's, it's about sharing the stuff that's important. And if you're in that business, then, you know, as long as you can share that stuff and not getting too much involved with, Everything else. If you sit there for an hour scrolling and scrolling, it's going to impact your head. Of course it is, because you know you're imber- you're immersed in it. And then uh, who I think knows? it's
1: really important to be careful what you ingest, like through social media, TV, all the all forms of media really. But if you are looking at things, I think it's important to like unfollow things that make you feel negative, or if they're because obviously people are putting their best selves. You know, you're happy sometimes you're not happy other times you know you look your best sometimes or there's filters as well so you might see that the best thing and think that my life doesn't match up to that and then start feeling negative
2: that's it so i just think unfollow unfollow unfortunately and this is the real one of the real i say unfortunate it's an unfortunate thing we live in comparisons and if you're continually comparing yourself to someone else you'll never be true to yourself You'll never have your true identity. Mm. You'll never be, you'll always wear a mask because you will want to be as good as whatever you see.
1: And you're comparing yourself to their best
2: self. Yes, exactly. So, and you will never come up as good as that. Because if you're not fully, if you're not fully embraced in you, and you're not fully, i say in love with yourself, don't mean in a vain way, but if you actually care about you and not, you know, uh, not using the, the mirror and, I mean, you say to yourself in the morning... there's a lovely saying you say in the mornings which is, um, I'm sorry, forgive me I love you and thank you you look into your left eye, my mate Alan if he's watching, he probably isn't but anyway, um, you say that every morning and that's not vain, that's just telling yourself you're worthy
1: can you say those again?
2: I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you and thank you alright? say that over and over but when you live in this world of comparisons and you wear these masks because you're trying to be emulate someone else. You never live in reality. And that's where the experience the human experience is what we are now more in touch with because of the way we have to be because of, you know, um, the stuff that we live with on a daily basis and our stress levels and um, you know, uh, as you say, it goes back to the uh, the caveman days, you know, when they had five or six different things to be concerned about and that pretty much was it. You know, like so warmth, clothing, Food, relationships, or companionship, somewhere to live, and avoiding something that's going to kill us—saber-toothed tigers, for instance, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now survival. you have you now more well, survival, and now but you have a whole world of stressful things, which literally can start by pressing the button,
1: yeah,
2: or by listening to something, or hearing something, or seeing someone, and all of a sudden your perceptions, because of the conditioning that we've we've been brought up with your perceptions your senses you know about senses with your vac stuff and uh, the nlp visual auditory and all that stuff so mm-hmm. if, if you perceive something the wrong way it's going to affect all your senses and create that paradigm belief about it so you then anchor yourself in that place and there you're going to think and there you make your beliefs it's quite interesting stuff but, again, it, it, you have to be mindful. You've got to be aware of how you're thinking and how you're... So, uh, going back, see, I do tend to do this. I go off on a tangent, but I do So go... right,
1: I've just been thinking about screwing up all my questions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I've gone back to but where we... after we're the s-
1: break, I will bring you back, and we're going to ask you a bit more about yourself.
2: Because I went... I was going to say, back to where you said, how do you change your mindset in the morning? It's about being aware. It's about um, sitting down, doing some, you know, a routine... Which is normal. You can do. rig. Mm, I've been doing just
1: taking w- another one off now.
2: <laughs> I've been doing Wim Hof's breathing <laughs> lately. Have you heard of Wim Hof? Yeah. So I've been doing his breathing in the morning, jumping He's in the, the cold guy, shower.
1: Yeah, in the cold.
2: So I did a freezing shower this morning. Did two spin classes. Wim Hof breathing when I woke up. A, a Joe Dispenza meditation. Straight so to for the gym. those that
1: don't know, it's it's. T- correct me if I'm wrong in the process of holding your breath so you're filling up your lungs with breath and then you're holding it for a certain amount of
2: time it, what he does is you you breathe in deeply you let go nearly all of it then you breathe in yeah. deeply and nearly all of it so theoretically what you're one. doing is you're filling your body up with little bits of oxygen mm. and then when you get to the end of 30 or 40 breaths your body's got your oxygenized oxygenized yeah. enough so your cells have all got enough oxygen to, to go without breath you go without breath for two minutes then you deep breathe.
1: And you're relaxed and you're in your parasympathetic nervous system. That's it. As opposed to your fight and flight, so you're de-stressing. Exactly. But then you jump in a cold bath and you're stressing yourself out.
2: Well, no, but now the cold but on showers... that
1: note, we're just going to have to go to a break now. So we can carry on on Facebook, but on the radio, we shall be back after this. Welcome um, back to 91.8 Hayes FM, the Waishi Radio show. I'm Nicola Chan, and today's guest is Brandon Block. So we're going to go right back to the beginning so we can get to know Brandon a little bit. And obviously we know Brandon is a DJ, but how did you get into DJing to begin with? What inspired you?
2: Right, okay, so... Um, what inspired me? Well, I think growing up in the 80s, we, um, we tended to live in pubs and then what happened was the pubs started playing music um, but not live music necessarily, the bands, they started with DJs started in the 70s <coughs> Larry Levan um <coughs> Larry Levan um, in Studio 54 in New York um, started, well you know the hip hop craze and the breaks mm-hmm. and stuff started all the uh, the vinyls and such, but being
1: sorry, I'm just trying to get my face
2: being uh, mixed the whole art of DJing started in the 70s Uh, and then it obviously it just it just ballooned from there because you know it became very 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 uh, popular discos were you know uh, opening at the 10 to to the dozen all over the country and northern Soul, and then there was the disco and soul scene and um, the punk scene and the ska scene There there was loads of new romantic but you know DJing was predominantly, you know, down to the soul and the funk scene and, uh, you know, hip-hop and, uh, and then that house, obviously. So, we, it's, it's a funny story. So, me and my friends, my Ali, and my best mate Ali, who I still, um, who I sti- still see every day and we run parties together. Paul? Yes. Mark, Wilkie, wicked. Um, and, um we used to go to the pub and then one week the DJ who was the resident there didn't turn up and the boss said to us, right lads, go on, now's your chance, go and get your records, I know you buy them every week, do you want to come and play your records down here? So he said, yeah, I'd love to. So we went home, picked our milk crates up and, uh, we, we toddled back to the pub with our milk crates of records and we, we started playing and obviously we were our matron in the pub, it went, it was a lovely evening and the, the governor said, look, you might as well do it every week now. So from then we started, that was a John Lyon pub in Harrow, which we loved. And from then, every week there, then myself and Ali bought a Comma van, which you won't know as a, a yellow British Telecom van. Very famous back in the day, they used to be all over the place when BT was British Telecom and had a yellow logo. So we had a British Telecom van and we used to go to, then the, the other pubs in the group, Pub 80s they were called, they started asking us to go and play at various nights at their club. So that's how it started. And then I moved to clubs. Then uh, acid house, uh, disco, funks, uh, jazz funk, and dancing at Dingwalls on a Sunday afternoon.